0: Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. John 10, verses
1: 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have I received from the Father. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, when I hear this passage... Um, in John 10, I think of my childhood. I uh, grew up in the countryside of France, and when I was at the age of four, five, six, every weekend, I would go to the farm uh, with my grandmother. She was a shepherd, uh, not of sheep, but of cows. And it was very, um, uh, very formative for me to see how she was shepherding cows cows were not just a cow, they all had a different name, all had a different behavior and personality, and she would teach us uh, where we could get close and where we should be staying away. And what was really striking for us is uh, there was really only one way to get in. Uh, There was a specific gate that we had to go through to go in the field when we would play soccer and the ball would roll and go by the cows. My brother and I would get really scared because we knew some cows were not behaving well, And so there was really a specific relationship that you had to have with the cows. And my grandmother knew them and they knew her, hence why we were so scared sometimes to get close. And so when I hear this passage, of course, not talking about cows but sheep, I can't help but think of my childhood and the wonderful memories that I have of these green pastures in the countryside of France. But this morning, I want to talk about the sheep and the shepherd and the stranger. But before I do that, I want to draw a bigger picture of what's going on here in John chapter 10. We are in this series, Red Letters, where we are looking at the words of Jesus in the gospel and uh, his main teaching. And we have several, I am, you know, it's Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We looked at that last week. Today, we are looking at, I am the true shepherd and the sheep hear my voice and then know me. So I want to draw this bigger picture of salvation. You see, in The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, there's this central theme that's called salvation. And from God choosing the people of Israel to be this uh, consecrated people set apart to please God, to be a representation of what it means to live holy life, all the way to the coming of Jesus, his dying on the cross, his resurrection, ascension, and promise of return, and uh, all that's been announced. Salvation is the key theme. So I want to draw this big picture of salvation. And salvation in John 10 can be represented by the green pasture. And in the green pasture, there's life, there's food, there's peace, there's tranquility. And you have all the little sheep that can be you and it can be me. I am not a great skilled artist, but that will do for this morning. Here are my little sheep. I'm better at making the sound of sheep than drawing them. And they all have a name. They're all known by God and have been drawn in by the Father to form this flock. And when Jesus is saying uh, there is a flock, there are sheep and they are in the green pastures, there is a question that has been asked by the Pharisees who were the religious leaders back in the days of Jesus these uh, religious leaders for so long, were really the ones who wanted to decide who gets to be in and who gets to be out. And so Jesus is here addressing something that will answer these two questions, who is in and who is out. And for Israel, of course, the answer was very simple. God had called Israel to form this people, covenant people, marked by the law of Moses and circumcision, and uh, to be set apart. And so who is in? It was the Jews, the nation of Israel was in here, and they got to enjoy the blessings of God, the presence of God, the covenant of God. And who was out? Of course, the Gentiles. For the majority of us here, us. For so long, for so many centuries, that was the rule. And Jesus is saying here, I am the good shepherd, and I care for my sheep, but there have been strangers among you. They have been robbers and thieves among you. And Jesus is referring, of course, to the Pharisees or to the pseudo messiahs who were auto-proc- auto-proclaiming themselves Messiah before Jesus came and forming these sects or cults or small people groups who were claiming to have access to the truth and the knowledge of salvation, but were not really of God. And Jesus is calling them strangers, Because they're trying to get in through different ways. They're not going through the main door. They're going through different ways to have access to the flock. And we're uh, leading them through seductive and abusive ways. And Jesus is saying again, I am the true shepherd. And you have to understand that back in the days when shepherds were shepherding the flock, um, they were not only watching over them during the day, but at night as well. So here you have your little shepherd during the day. Very happy. I can't do a smiling face, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> and we have the staff. That's that's how it was. And at night, to prevent beasts and lions and wolves to come in and snatch away the sheep, they would lay down at the gate of a sheepfold. So you have this shepherd here taking a nap, or I guess sleeping. There you go, sleeping, he's having a great time. And that way, if any beast or any wolf would try to get in, they had to go through them to have access to the sheep, and hence they would protect them from danger. So as you look at this bigger picture, you see this representation of salvation, the green pasture, and Jesus challenging uh, very, very deeply the Pharisees who thought only they had the knowledge of the truth and who had access to the flock. Jesus is saying, you have it all wrong. Jesus is even calling them the children of the devil. And he is coming at them real hard. So I want us to unpack this passage by um, looking at the three items, the strangers, the true shepherd, and the flock. Now I know that in your outline that you have here this morning, uh, it's the opposite. You have the true shepherd before the stranger, but bear with me. I wouldn't like to start with the strangers. So in John chapter ten, verse nine, uh, verse eight, sorry, it says this: "All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them." There are several characteristics that Jesus uses to describe these strangers. Verse one: They enter the sheepfold by another way. They are thieves and robbers. They do not know the sheep in verse 5. They kill and destroy. Verse 12, they abandon the sheep. And verse 13, they care nothing for the sheep. And what Jesus is really trying to say by using all these descriptions is not to lead us into all little details about what they do, although that's very helpful. But there are really a um, few elements that I want to point out regarding the strangers. Thursday are really people who were all about compromising the ways of God, who had gone before Jesus. Uh, In the Old Testament, we see false prophets, but also all throughout history, we will see this cycle repeating itself, where we have self-proclaimed leaders, self-proclaimed prophets, self-proclaimed false teachers who are trying to lead away, uh, lead astray the sheep by uh, teaching wrong things. And what we need to understand in this passage is that Jesus is really teaching about this exclusivity of salvation that is only found in Him and through Him that you have life. And you can't access the green pasture if you don't pass through Jesus. And that was really challenging because for the people of Israel, they had the law, they had Moses, they had rituals, they had different practices, and for them, that was their salvation. If they were obeying God, if they were respecting the rules, they had life they had salvation, they had blessing. And Jesus is saying, no, there's no way you can have life. There's no way you can have access to the green pastures and feed yourself except through me. And that was a huge challenge for them to hear. But they have uh, seen people compromising all that. They had seen people using and twisting the word of God to make it fit their own agenda, as we see often happening in the world today. And I want to be very respectful of different um, religious streams in the world today, but we do know for a fact that there are so many different sects and cults and and religious streams that claim to have salvation, that claim to have the truth, that claim to know the way to God, but they are just entering salvation through another way, not through Jesus. And I know it's very offensive, and, and believe me, I grew up in France where people get offended very quickly when you tell them there's only one way. Um, and I remember one day I was working in a, in a retail shop, a sports shop, and I was selling shoes. And uh, we were selling different items, uh, snowboards, um, and, and different things like that. And there's a Christian who brought his board, and on the back was written, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And my colleague looked at me and was like, this is so offensive to me. Who does this guy think he is for saying, I'm the only way, I'm the only truth, I'm the only life. And that's, that's what we need to embrace if we are serious about the word of God. There's no other ways. And I know it can offend, and it definitely offended the Pharisees, but that's what Jesus is getting at. If this is not going through him, then there's danger. Stranger, danger, right? And uh, we need to remember that this uh, morning. Now, of course, you see leaders, you see false teachers and prophets, but at the root of it all, it's the devil, Because the devil can't take control of people's lives. The devil can't plant thoughts and systems and ways of leading people astray from the truth. And we see that happening today through social media, through politicians, uh, through different health gurus who are promising you life and abundance by just offering you redemption. And what it does in each and every one of these circumstances and different patterns, is a, at, the, at the root of it all is a wrong promise. It's a false promise. It promises you life, but it leaves you empty. It promises you abundance, but it leaves you wanting. It leaves you feeling really like nothing has happened at all. And I want you this morning to be aware that the devil is real and is after you. And um, Jesus is very clear in verse 10 when he says, The enemy came to kill and destroy. And I came so that my sheep will have life and life abundantly. So Jesus is addressing that in the passage. I want to read Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1 and 10. Because here we have a prophet, Ezekiel, painting this picture of the wrong shepherds, the bad shepherds in Israel. And it is very helpful to hear his um, word of judgment here. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel 34, verse 1. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you close yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick, The sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah declares, "The Lord God, surely, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God: Behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves." I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Wow, I wouldn't want to be in those uh, bad shepherds' shoes when they receive that word of judgment. But you may have noticed the, the key to this passage is the fact that these shepherds were feeding themselves. They were just using a sheep, the sheep as a way to feed their ego, their sense of power and control. And every time you see that pattern happening, In church life, in the world today, through politicians, through different systems, there is danger. And by contrast, we see Jesus declaring, I am the true shepherd. I'm the one who cares for the sheep. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Five characteristics of the true shepherd that we find in this text. He calls the sheep by name in verse 3. He knows them in verse 14. He guides them in verse 3 and 4. He gives them life in verse 10. He lays down his life for his sheep in verse 11. And there are three main implications to the statement of Jesus as being the true shepherd. The first one is this idea of intimacy. Sometimes we stay away from the shepherd because we know that there are sins in our lives. And I don't know if you've ever been close to sheep, but they stink. And and I don't know if you sometimes feel this way, but your sin is making you stink. But the reality is that sheep do stink. And God knows that. God knows that you stink. God knows that I stink. But I have some good news for you. Uh, we, have, we actually have a shower here in the in church on the third floor. I'm not lying. It's an, uh, an emergency shower. Um, but the good news is that God knows what's going on in your heart. And sometimes as sheep, we wander away. We leave the flock because we feel like we stink so bad that we should not belong here. Don't we do that sometimes? We feel guilty, we feel shame, uh, taking control and overwhelming us, and we just, we take a leave of absence. And um, I've been pastoring uh, in church for almost 20 years now, and I've seen that happen over and over again. And you call people up and you're like, hey, where have you been? And you know something has happened. They've, um, They've made a wrong decision, And they're just crippled with shame and guilt. They're just aware of how much they stink and they're deciding that the best thing to do right now is to leave a sheepfold and to wander away. But that's not how the shepherd wants us to behave when these things happen. He knows us. He's got his staff, his rod, You know, that's ready to grab the sheep and bring them back into the sheepfold. God is wanting this intimacy with us even though we stink, because there's forgiveness, there's the washing, there's regeneration for Jesus. By his blood, we are washed over and over again, and we enjoy this communion with the true shepherd. Have you ever experienced that true communion with the shepherd? Sometimes, of course, we think of God as, as this powerful being who controls the universe and we, we feel that he's so distant and uninterested in our personal details of our lives. But Jesus giving us this picture of a true shepherd should encourage us to pursue intimacy with him. That's the first implication. The second implication is this idea of protection. In John 10, to go back there, um, Jesus says something that's very interesting. In verse 28, he says this, I give them, my sheep, eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Hear this this morning. No one will snatch you away from God's hands. No one. This is in the word of God. This is in the Bible. You may feel like you've made some bad decision and you're just away, or you may feel like the enemy has been coming after you, but hear the promise of a true shepherd for you. No one will snatch you away from his hand. He loves you. You've been called by name. He knows who you are. He knows where you've been. And there is a sense of security and and peace and rest when we know that thought that if he has called us to be part of his flock, he won't let us go. The shepherd is not a lazy shepherd. He is not just, you know, oh man, she left, uh, she falls too bad. Hope she doesn't get killed by a wolf. No, he's going after the sheep. He's making sure they all stay safe. He's sleeping at the gate to make sure no one will try to get in. This is how much our God cares for us, and this is why Jesus is using this picture. And the third implication in this, this, this is this idea of life. In John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the life that God is promising us. Not just life, but life abundantly. And when we hear this abundance of life, we uh, can think very easily of material possessions or easier circumstances or uh, better career or better house or better whatever. Uh, whatever struggle you have right now, it's very easy to go straight away to something that's a little more peaceful in this life, free of any trouble. Well, this is not exactly what Jesus is getting out. He's referring to the Holy Spirit promised in John, this life that will come and penetrate you and flow through you and, and, and for the sake of others. That's the life that God has for you. And I can't give you that life but I can promise you that if you tap into uh, the Holy Spirit, this life will flow. This life will flow. This is real. This is what God has in store for us. This is the kind of promise that he will fulfill. If you ask more of the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. And often we also think of life as this eternal life that starts when you die. You know, you die, you go to heaven, and then, oh, you have eternal life. Great. No, uh, John it's very clear. If we read the gospel, that the life that God has promised us starts now. The moment you enter into a relationship with Jesus, there is life. There is life that will conquer darkness. That will conquer uh, sin. These are the three implications of having the true shepherd: this intimacy, protection, and the life. I now turn to the last element, the fold, the sheepfold. Do you know that you and I are part of a community, this wonderful, big church, and if sometimes it's so easy to think of our salvation or our journey with Jesus as being very individual, and that's how we reason in, in the West. you know, We think, oh, it's just me and Jesus having a great time. And of course, there's some element of that, but God is not interested in serving just you. He's interested in forming a people and that's like from Genesis all the way to Revelation. That's what God is doing. This is a plural language. Salvation is not an individual business, it's a collective business. God is interested in forming a people. The way He formed Israel, this is the same way He wants to form uh, the church by creating this diversity, this beautiful body with different parts. Verse 16 I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. So there will be one voice, one voice. You know how I was telling one of the baristas at the cafe the other day um, about the music we listen to, and I, I told him I love so much listening to wordless music. And he was like, why? Because I have so many voices in my head all the time with my kids, I've got three kids, And they're screaming at me all the time, all day long. One says this, the other one fights about that. So voices, voices, voices. And so whenever I can listen to music, I don't want any more voices. I am done. I've had enough. I just want peace. (laughs) And don't you feel this way sometimes in your life that there are so many voices? You know, voices of um, friends and television and social media and challenges here, challenges there. And the church can feel this way sometimes where there's so many different trends, you know. There's always a new trend in Christianity, you know. A new thing here, a new thing there. Oh, this new teacher here, this new teacher there. And this new spiritual experience and all that. And For me, it's just voices. But there's only one voice we should be attentive to. That's the voice of Jesus, the voice of a shepherd. And our goal in our lives as sheep and as disciples should be to learn how to discern the voice of a true shepherd. And if you've never been able to have access to that relationship, again, this intimacy with Jesus where you know that's his voice, you know it's him, you have no doubt, it's the voice of Jesus. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to to go deeper in your relationship with him so that you will get to that point. Because it's not reserved for special elite Christians. It's for everyone. Everyone can hear the voice of God, everyone. If you feel like you've never heard the voice of God, let me encourage you, you can't hear the voice of a true shepherd because he is interested in guiding you and leading you. Sometimes God speaks to me not in loud and very clear signs and and voices. It's a little whisper here and there, little indications here, a little uh, conversation there. But God wants to lead you and there should be one voice. And of course, the Bible is the ultimate filter for all the voices we can hear. Secondly, there should be one flock. And I know here in America, there are so many denominations of churches and there's so many different streams and so many ideas. And in some ways, it's beautiful. I love seeing the diversity of the body of Christ. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are forming one church and one flock because we're all united around one shepherd, which is my third point. One shepherd. And I don't know what your church um, history is and how you grew up in church or not. And maybe you've been hurt by leaders. Maybe you've been hurt by pastors. Maybe you've been hurt by me. <laughs> I hope not. But we, the reality is that we are all imperfect leaders. We're all imperfect shepherds. We're just trying our best to be good steward of what God has entrusted us. But if you've been hurt by shepherds, let me say, first of all, I'm so sorry you've been hurt. I'm really sorry because we all make mistakes. But at the end of the day, we should not cling to human shepherds. We should cling to the true shepherd, the shepherd of our souls. And there's so many church hurts because people are clinging. They're clinging. They're holding on to a leader. They're holding on to a pastor. And I will give you a promise. They will fail you at one point. They will because they're human. But if we can learn as the body of Christ to cling to the one true shepherd, there's going to be a really sound faith. It's going to be really something that's firm, that's solid, that's going to endure and last for a long time. And last but not least, there should be one mission. The church is not made of lots of different plans and agenda. No, the church has one mission and Jesus is talking about this mission in John 16, uh, verse 16, John 10. And I have other sheep but are not of his fault. I must bring them also. The idea of a church is not that we will form a little group where we get together and we have a good potluck and we laugh and share some good coffee. No, that's not the purpose of a church. This is not the mission of a church. The mission of a church is that our, our, our way of living should be so compelling that we should go out And bring them also the sheep that are not part of the sheepfold. That's the mission. If all we think about and we think that the purpose of the church is to create more uh, groups and clubs, we're really far away from the main mission that Jesus has given us as um, his sheep. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 to 16 again depicts very well the mission of the shepherds. And at this point, I'm going to ask the worship band to come back up. After the judgment in Ezekiel 34 that we read comes the mission. This is what God says in verse 11. For for thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered So will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of a country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on a rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat, and the strong, and I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. This is how much God is committed to his mission, to bring in those who have been strayed away. This is how much we should be committed as the people of God. You see, as shepherds, pastors, this is our mission. Yes, of course, we want to build you, we want to equip you. But the reason why we preach the word this morning, the reason why we invest so much time and energy in church life, it's, so, it's just not that we will have a great church just for the sake of having a great church. It is so that we will fulfill that same mission that God has given us. I want to invite you at this point to uh, stand to your feet, if you would not mind. We've talked about the strangers and all the dangers. We've talked about the true shepherd and the fold. And I don't know where you are at in your life right now. Maybe you feel like a sheep that has strayed away. Maybe you feel like a sheep that stinks. Maybe you feel like the shepherd is very far away. Maybe you feel like you don't belong. Maybe you feel like you're not part of a sheepfold at all. Or there's good news. Christ is calling you by name. Christ sees you this morning. He sees the depths of your heart. He sees your past. He sees your present. He sees your future. And there is hope. There is hope. But the answer is not to leave a sheepfold. The answer is not to try to ignore the voice of a shepherd. The answer is not to try to run away from a shepherd. The answer is just to let the shepherd grab us with his rod, with his staff, and bring us, bring us back in. And I want to encourage you to reconnect, maybe or maybe connect deeper with the true shepherd this morning. And I want to read to you the Psalm 23, which is a very famous psalm, often read in funerals, but doesn't apply just to funerals. It applies to us today. God has good plans. God has good plans for us, not just plans to prosper us and all that, plans to give us life, to give us joy, to give us security, to give us assurance. This is the, these are the good plans from God. And you know why he has good plans? Because he's good. Because he is good. Because he's a good shepherd. So let's read the Psalm 23 and let the Lord minister to you as we read this Psalm Again, this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, We'd love to hear about it, so please drop us a note.